you have your Bible, turn with me this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, please. And we're going to read a few verses together here. Then we're going over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and then we'll end in Romans chapter 16. And we'll get you using your fingers for a moment or two this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and down to verse... 16, please. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me, and was not ashamed of my chains, but when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Now keep your turn to First Corinthians chapter sixteen, please. First Corinthians and chapter sixteen. First <coughs> Corinthians chapter sixteen and down to verse fifteen, please. First Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 15. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, please finally turn with me to Romans chapter 16, and then you'll be able to keep your Bible open there. Romans chapter 16, please, and down to verse 10. Romans chapter 16 and verse 10. And it's just the first little sentence we're after. And then we'll bow in a moment of prayer together. Paul writing in verse 10. He says, Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. And we know the Lord will bless his word to our hearts. Just bow with me one moment, please, as we would ask the Lord for his help. Father, we just come again before thee, an attitude of prayer. And we thank thee for the hymns that we have sang. We thank thee for your people that have gathered together this morning to gather around your word and to lift our hearts in praise and adoration for all that you have done for us. We're glad that we are saved this morning. We're glad that indeed, Father, we've been called from darkness unto light and that we can sing these songs from our heart. Uh, To God be the glory, great things he hath done. And Father, we just cry this morning that thou would come into our midst. We pray the whole atmosphere in this meeting today would be charged with the awareness of God. And we pray that you'll shut out every distraction. We pray, Lord, that you'll take away every thought of things that we'll do later and tomorrow. And we cry in these moments that we have that we'll focus upon the Word of God. And the cry of our heart would be that you would minister to us as individuals this morning. We pray for a word in season to all of our hearts. And so, Father, I stand before thee in great need this morning. And I pray again for that fresh filling, that fresh endowment with power. And, Father, that your word will find a resting place in all of our hearts. And, Lord, not only will we remember it after this morning, but, Lord, on and down into the week, we'll still have the seed of your word planted in our heart. And so, Father, we just take authority over the enemy this morning. We come against every spirit that would seek to hinder us in our preaching and in our listening, and we bind them in the name of our Savior. 
And Father, we take courage this morning as the Apostle could say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so we praise you this morning for the victory and the joy it is to be saved. And we just pray that thou will come. And Father, we want above all to be conscious that thou art here. We want to sense the presence of God in our gathering this morning. And so we give thee a warm welcome and an invitation from our hearts that thou will come and abide with us. We ask it in the precious and worthy name of thy Son. Amen. Amen. You know, over this short span of life that we have on earth, we make many acquaintances, we meet many people, but we go through life with only a handful of friends, people that we cherish, people that we hold dear, people that we can call on at any time of need. And sometime you get a chance, whenever you're at home, study some of the great friendships in your Bible. You'll remember the friends that Job had. He described them as being forgers of lies and physicians of no value. He said that you were miserable comforters. And there's none of us here this morning would want to have Job, friends like Job had. Then there was a great man, Daniel. He had some mighty friends. You'll remember the three young men that stood with him, who prayed with him, who got in behind him and helped him, and stood with him away down in Babylon. It's good to have friends that will stand and get in behind. Then there was a mighty man, David. You'll remember David... Uh, had a mighty friendship with Jonathan. It said that their souls were knit together. It was a unique, a unique friendship. Then you'll remember on the night of the eve of the crucifixion, the Lord Jesus could turn to his disciples and he said, ye are my friends. Only in a few hours they would forsake him. A few hours they would deny him and run from him and leave him alone. And yet he called them his friends. I want, with the help of God this morning, to bring to your attention three mighty men that I believe were dear and near to the heart of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul met many people. He preached to great crowds and great companies. He seen many saved. But like any man or woman of God, there's always a handful that he holds dear to his heart. And I tell you this morning... If you don't learn anything from this, I have. The first man I want to bring to your attention is in this 16th chapter of Romans. We read about him in verse 10. Five words that are dedicated to this man that most of us know nothing about. We never hear of him preaching a sermon. We never hear of him writing a book. We never hear of him taking a missionary conference or taking a conference for believers. He was an unknown man. A palace. Romans is that great book of the Apostle Paul. Some have described it as the greatest piece of literature the world has ever known. It's in Romans that Paul describes the great doctrine of salvation. And he soars in his eloquence as he describes to the believers how they've been saved from darkness and called from idols to serve the living God. It's in Romans that he preaches and describes to them the great truth of redemption, how the Lord Jesus died on a cross and paid the price so that we could go free. 
It was in Romans that he taught the great doctrine of justification the moment a man or woman gets saved that they're just as if they're never sinned. they've never sinned. And yet he concludes this epistle not with doctrine, not with mighty truth, but with the names of just ordinary men and women. I'm glad this morning that the church of Jesus Christ is made up of normal people, ordinary people. And this man, Apelles, in verse 10, I take was an ordinary man. Five words that were marked down in history about this man. And I would say to you this morning in the meeting, there's nothing greater could have been said about him. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Five words that were marked down not only by Paul, but by God. They're marked not only in history, but they're forever settled in eternity. Salute a palace, a man approved in Christ. Now, before I hook a few things out about this man, I want to tell you some of the similarities he has with every child of God in this meeting this morning. And there's some of them are, are lovely. His name means to be chosen. Now, just hold on two seconds. You know, every single one of us as believers in this meeting this morning, not only did God call us and not only did He save us, but He chose us. You remember the Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. I was walking last night and I was praying and talking to the Lord. Wouldn't it have been lovely if he just chose us at the foundation of the Word? But the Word of God says he chose us before the foundation of the Word. Away in eternity past, before the hills and order stood, our earth received her frame, he chose us. Chose us. You remember the Apostle Peter, he said there, he said, but ye are a chosen generation. And you know, dear friends, in this little meeting this morning, we're just normal, ordinary people. The world wouldn't have chosen us, but God chose us. Chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. Never lose the privilege of that. I tell you, not only does His name mean to be chosen, but it says that He was in Christ. Salute a palace approved in Christ. You know, there was a day when we were all in our sin. Do you remember that day? Those of us that are saved this morning, you go back in your eyes, your mind's eye and remember whenever we were in sin. We used to enjoy the things of the world. We used to enjoy the pleasures of sin that were just but for a season. But now we're in Christ. We were in darkness. We were in bondage. We were in slavery to sin, but now we're in Christ. To be called from darkness into light, from the power of Satan unto God, to receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them that are sanctified. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you enjoying being in Christ? Now, if I was to be honest this morning, there's not too many of us are too happy about it. To be called from darkness into light, once we were in sin, I read this recently, whenever a man or woman's in Christ, their past is settled, their present is covered, 
and our future is secure. To be in Him. You remember the apostle said this, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Not secondhand. Not refurbished. Brand new. Brand new. You know, dear friends, whenever we get saved, we get a new nature. Not only do we get a new nature, the psalmist says, he's put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto your God. New. Not secondhand. Not taken from someone else. A brand new song. New song. Not only do we get a new nature and a new song, you'll read about it in Revelation 2, he's going to give us a new name. A new name. We're going to a new, new city. New. Whenever we die and the Lord comes back, we're going to get a new body. Brand new. Not second hand. So here's a man that's in Christ. He's a man that's been chosen. But it tells us something else about this man. And this is where he becomes different than many of us in this meeting this morning. And I want you just to concentrate now for a moment. It says here, salute Apollos approved in Christ. Not only was he chosen, not only was he in Christ, but it says here that he was approved. Now just hold on. That word approved there is the word that comes from, it's to do with reality. It's a word that's to do with money and to do with currency. Have you ever went into the shop or into the bank and you handed in money and they've put it under the little infrared bulb and they hand it back and say, that's not real. It's a fake. Well, Paul said this about this man of palace. He's the genuine article. He's not a fake. He's the real thing. And not only did Paul say it, but God said it. He's a man that's approved in Christ. You know that you can get your kitchen worktops there and they're chipboard on the inside, but they look like mahogany on the outside. It's a sham. It's a facade. It's not real. There's just a veneer. It's only skin deep. But Paul said, and God said about this man, a palace is a man who's real. Now let me ask you a wee question this morning. Is what other believers seen what God sees? Is what you see of me what God sees? Paul said, and God said, and I stress it again, he was a man that was approved. He was no showman. He was no sham. There was no shallowness, but he was sincere. What you saw was what God saw. What you got was what God got. What he was on the outside was what he was on the inside. What he was in the factory was what he was like in the assembly. The way he behaved with his children was the way he behaved with the church. The way he was in the business meetings was the way he was in the prayer meeting. He was real. He was a genuine article. The way he was on a Sunday was the way he was on a Monday. 
The way he was with the elders of the church was the way he was with the members. For real. You know, I have come to believe this, that in Northern Ireland, we love to project an image. We love to project an image to others, and it may not be real, it may not be sincere. But always remember this, dear friends, that the eye of God is upon us. Every word, every thought, every deed, The eye of God is scanning over. This is what the psalmist said. Thou hast searched me and known me. Known me. A man approved in Christ. How many of us know all the phrases and terminology? How many of us know the cliches and the phrases? We know when to sing. We know when to say amen. We know when to stand up. We know when to sit down. And we know how to play along. We know the formality. We know how to pretend all's well. We know how to let on project an image to others that we're enjoying the Lord and walking with the Lord, but we could be in this meeting this morning as cold as ice. But Paul said, and God said, here's a man that's real. Real. John Brown was a famous actor a few years ago. Some of you older folk maybe have heard of him. But before he died in his late 80s, a journalist came to him and said, Mr. Brown, how is it that you have learned to act so well for so long? How is it that you've kept up the act all of your life? And John Brown said these words, I learned to fake it. I learned to fake it. Let me ask a wee question this morning. Is there anyone here and you're faking it? And we're all guilty of it. Indeed we are, preacher included. We know how to project an image that's not real and sincere. You know, if you want to know how spiritual I am, you talk to my wife after. Don't talk to Bertie. Don't talk to my father and mother. You go to my wife. And God said, and Paul said, here's a man that's approved. He's genuine, real article. There's no show. There's no facade. Let me ask you another wee question this morning. <clears throat> Are you enjoying the Lord? Are you saved this morning but pretending that you're saved? Well, my prayer and cry would be that we would all have a baptism of honesty again and come out of the woodwork and stand like this man of palace and what people would see is what they got. But not only does this word mean to do with reality and to do with money, this word approved is a word to do with fire. Now just take your time a moment. You'll know very well whenever gold is being refined, it's put into the crucible. And it's melted over the heat, and the longer it's heated, and the more fire that's put underneath it, all the impurities rise to the top. 
and all the scum and all of the impure metals and all of the, all of the pollution is removed until it's pure. Well, here is a man that not only was a man that was marked by reality, but he was a man that was marked by going through the fire. He knew this man about the trials and storms of life. I don't know what storm he went through. Maybe it was to do with the family. Maybe it was to do in some area of his health or his marriage or some other area of his life. But here was a man that knew what it was to go into the crucible of affliction. He knew all about the afflictions and the storms. And he came out through it approved. You know, here's another wee study for you sometime. Study some of the storms in the Bible. But you'll remember way back there in Matthew chapter 14. You remember whenever they had fed the 5,000 and the Lord Jesus went up onto the mountain to pray and he sent his disciples out into the boat and they went out into the midst of the storm and it says the wind was contrary to them. The harder the push, the harder the tried, the less happened. And it was in the fourth watch of the night, the darkest hour of the evening. All hope seemed to be gone. But then it says, And the Lord Jesus came unto them walking upon the water. And the phrase that left the Lord Jesus' lips was this, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Now I don't know what your trial is this morning, and I'm sure there's many of you that are in the trial. And I don't know what area you're being tested. And I don't know how hot the fire is. And I don't know, maybe you're at breaking point this morning. But you just think of a palace. Here was a man that stood the test. And every single one of us are under a test today. Every day of our life we're being tested. And the Lord's looking to see our reaction and what we're going to do. And what we're going to say. But here was a man, a palace, and he stood the test. He held on. Here's a word from some, to some soul in the meeting this morning. You're in the fire. You're already going to give up. Just hold on. Just hold on. Just hold on. You remember Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tested above that ye are able to bear? God knows that many of you are going through trials that I couldn't bear. And the people beside you around you couldn't bear. But always remember this. But God is faithful. And he will not test you or tempt you above that which you're able to bear. You remember Job. And he knew all about the affliction. He knew all about the family and the farm and all the rest of it. And one day it was all gone. And Job said, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And I would say this this morning. It's the godliest saints that are tested the most. The godliest saints that are tested the most. Not only is this word to do with money 
And not only is this word to do with fire, this word approved also means to bring delight or pleasure to. And here's this man of palace. I know nothing about him other than these five words that are written. I don't know the storm or the trial or the affliction or the fire that he was in. But in the midst of it all, he was real, he was genuine, he was in the fire. But listen to this now. He brought pleasure to the heart of God. You remember Enoch. It says of Enoch that he had this testimony that he pleased God. And as the eye of God was on this man of palace, as I of the Apostle Paul was upon him in his business life, in his family life, in his assembly life, in every area of his life, you know what God said? Approved. He brings pleasure to my heart. And I would say this morning, dear child of God, there's nothing greater that any one of us can do than bring pleasure to the heart of God. Now I'm going to ask another wee personal question. And I want you to be honest as I have been honest. Are we bringing delight to the heart of God? Are we like a palace in our family life? Would God stamp the stamp of approval upon us? Maybe over our business life. And our transactions and our dealings with the world, would God put that stamp of approval upon us? He's a man approved. Maybe in the assembly, as we see every believer and we all have them with faults and with shortcomings, and whenever someone does us wrong, how do we react? Does God put the stamp of approval? Well, here's a man, and we never hear of him again. He was a man that was approved in Christ. You remember the church at Ephesus? You remember that mighty church there in Revelation? Chapter 2. They were so active for the Lord. They had their right truth. They had doctrine. They had activity. They were out, and they were standing for the truth. But God gave a little word to them. And this is what he said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. And I tell you, dear friends, that's a question I have often asked myself during the week in in the quiet place. Lord, what have you got against me? What have you got against me? Is there an area in my life, in my home life, where I need to put it right? Is there an area in the assembly where I need to change and I need to get things right with other believers? Am I approved in your sight? And I stress again, dear friends, it wasn't just Paul that approved him. It was God that approved him. I wonder how many of us this morning have a stamp of approval upon us. Whenever God saw his praying life, God put approval on. Whenever God saw his business life, his assembly life, his home life, his work life, God rubber-stamped his life with approval. 
And I'll tell you, that was nothing small for God to do because the Lord Jesus, it says, was a man approved of God. Here was a man that was Christ-like in everything that he did. How many of us here this morning would rise to the height of this man that we've never heard of before and we never hear of again? Approved. Approved in Christ. Very quickly, I'm not going to get the third one done, but I want to bring you to this second man. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we read of a man here in verse 15 of a man called Stephanus. It says that he was the first fruits of Achaia. And it says that he and his family, that they addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now you'll know very well that Achaia, uh, that word Achaia actually means a place of trouble. It was a capital city of sin and immorality. And in the midst of this region of Achaia, where Paul the Apostle preached for 18 months, it was there that this man, Stephanus, got saved. And God, done a work in his life, changed him completely. And can I say this morning, and other preachers that are here this morning will know, there's nothing that brings a thrill to the heart of any believer than leading a man to the Lord or a woman to the Lord. It's lovely to see men and women and boys and girls getting saved and coming to Christ. There's nothing like it. But can I say to you this morning, there's something else that brings delight to the heart of a preacher. And that is not only to see people saved, but to see people go on. Now just stop. Just stop. Here was a man of Stephanus that got saved, but he went on. He knew about growth and growing. He knew about going on from the milk to the meat. He knew about progress in his life. It says, and he addicted himself to the ministry of the saints. We hear a lot about drug addicts, don't we? There's an epidemic. We have an epidemic of people that are addicted to drugs and television and work and money and immorality. But here was a man that was addicted to the things of God. Addicted. It says that he addicted himself to the ministry. I was in Cookstown a few weeks ago. And they're starting up a little church in the middle of the town, and I went in to see who it was. And there was an electrician that was working at the electrics, and I got talking to him. He was a converted Roman Catholic. He's not that long saved. And I got talking to him about the things of God, and he was just bubbling over. He was just enjoying the things of God. This is what that man said to me in Cookstown Main Street only a few weeks ago. He said, Stephen, I'm addicted to the Word of God. I'm addicted to the Word of God. I tell you, dear friends, this morning, preacher included, 
How many addicts have we got in the meeting this morning? You'll know what an addict is. Someone that craves and longs and can't break it, can't get away from it every moment of the day. They're longing for it. Well, here was a man, Stephanus, who got saved, but he went on with God. Sometime in this man's life, sometime after he got saved, this man began to seek God for the will of God in his life. Now, just put the brake on this one. Just put the brake on. He knew that God not only saved him, but he knew that God had gifted him and called him for something that no one else could do. Now, can I say to you this morning, every single child of God in this meeting, God has something for you to do that I can't do. He has something for you that your family members can't do or the members of this assembly can't do. Just for you and you alone. And Apelles got a grip of this. And I don't know what time or what stage it was in his life, but he began to seek the will of God for his life. And he got it. He got it. He knew why God had saved him. He knew the gift that God had given him. It says that he addicted himself to the ministry. The ministry. There's some of you in here this morning and God has gifted you to work with children. There's some in here and God has gifted you to work with youth. Some of you God has gifted to work among older people to draw alongside them and to help them, whatever the case may be. Let me ask you a wee question this morning. Are you addicted to that ministry? Are you addicted to it? And I would stress this morning, dear child, in this meeting, the church is described as a building. Indeed it is. It's also described as a bride. But Paul describes the church of God as a body. A body. There's something for you sisters that you can do that I can't do. There's something for you young people in this meeting that are saved this morning. God would want you to do. Let me ask you a wee question. Have you ever asked him to show you? Life is slipping past very quickly for some of you. Life at best is very brief. Like the falling of a leaf, like the binding of a sheath. Be in time. And here was a man away down in Achaia. He wanted to do more for God than just be saved and sit. He wanted to do something. He wanted to serve. Serve. You'll remember the word that came from Paul. You'll read about it in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17. To a man by the name of Acryptus. It says, Tell Acryptus to take heed to the ministry which he has received of the Lord, that he fulfill it. Now just stop. Just stop. I would believe that there's people in this meeting this morning. God has called you years ago to do something. 
and you've ran from the call. Maybe it's in the old people's home. Maybe it's just serving the neighbors. Maybe it's in the assembly. Maybe it's in the youth. Maybe it's in the membership. And Paul would say to you this morning, like he did to Acryptus, tell him to take heed to the ministry which he has received of the Lord, that he or she fulfill it. Do it. That was the word that Paul said the day that he could say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Do. And here was a man that found his gifting to minister to the saints. That word minister there is the word to help. Help. I'm sure if you went to the elders in Achaia and you went to the elders of the local assembly and says, look, I'm doing a bit of door-to-door work. I need a young man with a bit of fire and zeal to come out and give me a hand. No bother. Wave your man. And they'd give him some young man full of zeal and passion and they would send them out. Or maybe you would go and say, I'm doing a bit of open air work or I'm doing a mission. I need someone to come. I need sisters to come and help. We know who to give you. But if you came to the assembly and the cave broken and at the end of your tether and everything around you had fallen at your feet and you came to the elders and says, look, I just need someone to help me. I need someone to pray for me and put their arm around me. I need encouragement. You know what they would have said? We've got your man. We've got your man. And I'm sure they would have sent them to the house of Stephans. A man that had addicted himself to helping the saints. That word addicted is the word to be devoted. This man had a love for other believers that was infectious. He was intoxicated with love for other believers. He wasn't cold and he wasn't callous and he wasn't critical. But this man was full of compassion from the head, crown of his head to the sole of his foot. And her brother reminded us during the week, that lovely verse in Jude, of some having compassion making a difference. Makes a fair difference, you know. And here was a man that knew about compassion. It was spontaneous. It was just bubbling over. If he saw someone wasn't at the morning meeting for two weeks, he'd have knocked on their door. If he saw someone in the assembly sitting on their own, he would have left his family and went over and sat beside them. If he knew someone was sick, he would have went and prayed for them. If he knew someone was discouraged and defeated, he would have drew alongside them. This man was on the lookout every moment of the day for people that needed help. Do you need help this morning? I was thinking that day whenever the Syrophoenician woman came to the Lord Jesus. You remember how her daughter was possessed with a demon. And she came with one cry on her heart. And you know what it was? She said, Lord, help. Help. I need help. I wonder if there's someone in here this morning and you need help but you've just been covering it over and you're pretending everything's all right. 
You've put on a mask and you've put up the, up the guard and you shake the hand and you smile and you sing and no one really knows. Deep down in your heart that you're hurting and the cry maybe of your heart was on your knees this morning, God, will you send someone to help? Need help. Well, here's a man, if he was here this morning, he would be with you before the end of the day. Stephanus. It says here that ye know, the whole assembly knew about this boy. Everybody that rubbed shoulders with this man knew that he was intoxicated with a love. Let me say this to you this morning. And as Willie Mullen used to say, I covet no man's smile and don't worry about your frown. If this man had heard about another believer falling, he wouldn't have went out through the doors of the church and started talking about them to a little clique of believers. He wouldn't have been text messaging before the end of the day, did you hear? He wouldn't have gathered a little meeting in a coffee shop somewhere and said, we'll need to talk about this and see what we need to do. And I'll tell you something else he wouldn't do, and take this from the heart of God to whoever it concerns, he wouldn't have written a letter about it. And if he did, he would have put his name on it. Here was a man that was full of compassion. From the crown of his head to the sole of his foot. I heard of a preacher recently, in fact it was Leonard Ravenhill who told the story of a woman that came to a minister's house. She talked about other members of the assembly for over an hour. Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? And in the back of the seat the minister had a little tape recording and he had the whole thing recorded. And he says, I'm going to make a cup of tea. You sitting there, minister. He says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I have a wee tape that you would love to hear. He says, you really love gossip and you love to hear, but other believe, here's the juiciest bit of gossip that you'll ever hear. Oh, she says, well, maybe I'll have time to take a wee cup of tea after all. And he put the tape recorder on and clicked it on. And she started to look at her husband and she says, that's me. She said, that man must have recorded everything I said about every believer in the assembly. And whenever he came in with the cups of tea, the tea was the last thing that was on her mind. She said, you had no right to do that. She said, give me that tape. She says, no, I'm not giving you that tape. She says, I'll pay whatever you need and I'll take that tape and I'll destroy it. He says, you're not getting it. And after a while, he says, but I'll tell you what I'll do, I will give it to you. And she put the tape in her pocket and she was so relieved. And then she was going out through the door and she says, but you must have another tape. You wouldn't have given it to me just like that. No, I don't have another tape. She says, he said, it's all recorded in hell. And she said, he said, if you don't sort this out before you die, the Lord will read it out before every believer that's there. Just put the brake on just put the brake on. Is there anybody here that's addicted to the ministry of the saints?
Uh, he didn't scandalize them. He didn't slander them. Here is a man that knew how to help. But not only does it mean it very quickly, it means to labor. This man burnt himself out. It means to labor. That word labor in verse 16 means to burn out to the point of exhaustion. He almost killed himself working for other believers. He knew what it was to toil and labor with them. And God put a stamp of approval upon this man, says, he's addicted to the minister of saints. Come with me just a wee minute now. Could be before the end of the day we'll see this in reality. But there's coming a day when the Lord comes back and we will all stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Could be today, could be tomorrow. And I want you just for a moment in the courts of heaven to see this man, Stephanus. And he stands before the Lord. And the books are open. And the Lord says, maybe there's an angel there, I don't know. He says, did this man ever, ever preach anywhere? No, no, there's no record of him ever preaching. Did this man ever do a children's camp or campaign? No, 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 there's no record of that either. Well, what did he do? Well, just hold on a wee moment. There's a word at the bottom of the list here. It says, he was addicted to the ministry of the saints. I tell you, dear friends, this morning, how small we all are compared to these men. I haven't got time, it's 12 o'clock, to take you to the last man. But Paul mentioned him, he was a man by the name of Onesiphorus. It says that he was not ashamed of my chains and he often refreshed me. He was a man that the Apostle Paul held near to his heart. Now, let me say this. Thank God for Apollos, a man that was approved. Thank God for a man like Stephanus who was addicted to the ministry. Thank God for a man like Onesiphorus here who was not ashamed. These were all good friends to have. I have never met these men. But there's one friend of Paul's that I have met. And he is mightier than all of these men put together. There was a day whenever Stephanus wasn't there for Paul, and there was a day when Anisiphorus wasn't there, and there was a day whenever Apollos wasn't there. But Solomon said away in Proverbs, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He was a friend that was approved. And we've mentioned it already that the Lord Jesus was a man approved of God. He was a man that was marked by reality and sincerity. He was a man that brought pleasure to the heart of God like no other man ever can. He's a man that's addicted to helping the saints, you know. You'll remember Paul said this, or the writer to the Hebrews said it, He said, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace that ye may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. 
In fact, every moment of the day since 12 o'clock went through into Sunday, he's been on the right hand of the Father, mentioning my name and your name on our behalf. He ever liveth to make intercession for. He pleads their cause every moment of the day. Thank God he doesn't run us down the way many of us do. Thank God he doesn't kick his people when they're down. Thank God he doesn't slander them or talk about them or be hypocritical to them. But he's full of compassion. What a friend. And just like Onesiphorus, thank God he wasn't ashamed. What a day it was whenever the Son of God stepped from the splendors of heaven. And came down into the matrix of a virgin's womb. And lived as a man among men. And not only did he pick Jerusalem, or he didn't pick one of the great cities, but he dwelled in Nazareth, the sin capital of Judea. And he lived in all of his purity, in all of his holiness. And then he went to the cross for you and for me. This is what Philip Bliss said. Bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place, condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a saint. Some friend, isn't it? He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. This is what the Shulamite woman said. She said, this is my beloved. And this is my friend. Whatever your trial is and whatever your storm is this week, whatever appointments you have, whatever plans that you have, you know what he'll say to you? Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. He'll go with us into the hospital ward. He'll go with us into the home that's so lonely after that loved one has departed. He'll go with us into the trial and into the factory. Lo, I am with you always. I'm going to ask one question, then we're going to sing. Anybody here approved? Anybody is I of omnipotence will be upon us this Sunday morning? That God would put the stamp of approval. That man. That woman. They're the real thing. Any of us here get the stamp from God? There's a man or woman and they're addicted to helping other believers. Or is there any of us like in this forest would get the stamp and say, look, there's a man or woman and they're not ashamed of the things of God. Let us pray. Father, we just bow again in thy presence and we Fall so far short, Lord, of these men of a bygone day.
who never even had the New Testament that we have, that have none of the, had none of the privileges that we have this morning. And yet, Lord, they outstep so many of us. We think of this man, Apelles, who was a man that was approved, and everything that he did, his whole life was marked by reality. There was no sham, there was no faking, there was no facade. What you saw was what you got. And Father, that would be the cry of our hearts this morning, preacher included, that Lord, that we would be a company of people that are marked by reality and marked by sincerity. People that would bring pleasure to your heart. And as you would look down from the lofts of heaven, that we would bring delight to your very heart. Men and women that will go through the fire and that will stand the test. We think of this man, Stephanus, this man that was addicted. He couldn't help helping and couldn't stay away from drawing alongside. He was addicted to helping other believers. And Father, I pray over every one of us here this morning that thou will give us a concern for each brother and sister. Pray that you would give us a love for one another. Fill us with compassion, Lord, from the crown of our head to the very sole of our foot, that if we see other people in need, that we'll be there to help them and we'll be addicted to the ministry of the saints. You think of this man, Stephanus, that we didn't get near this morning. He was a man that was not ashamed. Father, we would think this morning of those that are backslidden and those that are away from God. Lord, we may, may we never be ashamed to draw alongside them. May we, may, may we never be ashamed to encourage them and help them and to be associated with them. Father, we thank you for the friend above all friends. We thank thee for the friend that does stick closer than a brother. Thank God for the one that is always at our side. He's there to hold us when we fall. He's there to catch us when we stumble. We can say like the Shulamite, this is my beloved. This is my friend. Lord, we would pray this morning if there's areas in our life where you've shown us as we've listened to the word that we need to get right. We pray it will not pan them off. We pray, Lord, that we'll not talk it away. But Father, we pray that we'll do whatsoever you would bid us to do that we would be a band of men and women that are in touch with God, that are marked by reality. We ask it in the Saviour's precious name. Amen.